Make a move and then she's calling Forest fires, cougars marlin' Take a chance and roll the dice one day If you're a DM player, find you Millennials can join this quest too Expedition, we're gonna find a way Guess who's back? Goodman's back. Yes, he's back. Why am I back? I I initially thought I would make one episode to say goodbye. To say goodbye to the few remaining <laughs> loyal listeners to Expeditions to the Grizzly Peaks. But I actually think I might occasionally step back to the mic and and make episodes as and when it's going to be very sporadic i can't promise anything i think it's been three months since the last one but i felt like i had finally got something to say and that's that's really i guess why i'd stopped for two reasons one i don't think i had anything really to say particularly and two because as I've said many times before, all my efforts are now going into Grizzly Peaks Radio, which I am completely committed to and will continue doing, well, who knows how long I'll keep doing it for. I, I can't see any reason to stop. I, I love the entire process. I love playing games with my friends online. I love recording it. I love listening back to our playbacks. Um, I don't love the um, actual editing of the voice tracks. That is painful. And to be honest, I get help with that quite often. Uh, But I do love doing the sound mixing, the sound effects, the music, um, the sort of tightening up. Um, What I have found tedious and dull is cleaning up the tracks and taking out all the guff to get it down to a reasonable length. Anyway... This is not Grizzly Pigs Radio, this is Expedition to the Grizzly Pigs, and therefore I must have a subject. And that subject is the mega fan. <laughs> the mega fan of, of Expedition to the Grizzly Pigs, who, who's probably been sitting there for three months thinking, I sent that bastard all these voicemails and he never put them into an episode and so I am no longer going to classify, classify myself as a mega fan um, as, as he does on, on this first message. It is, of course, it is, of course, the one and only David Henry. Or is it Henry Davis? Oh, no, it's definitely David Henry. And, um, and yeah, he... Uh, He's back too. Hey Andy, Dave here, your mega fan. So do I get like a uh, a medallion or a sticker, decal, or a uh, hat I get to wear for that? Anyways, just talking about your uh, your White Dwarf scenario. I love the White Dwarf magazine. It was, in my younger years, that was one of the, my fave magazines. Of course, I like Dragon Magazine and everything, but I like the, the edgy stuff from White Dwarf. All the Call of Cthulhu stuff was just fantastic. 
Anyways, yeah, the the crew you have for that one is just they they are amazing, and you and with, with you as the keeper of arcane lore or horrific lore, uh, you know, yeah, your mega fan is is uh, heaping the praise on you. So I'm I'm hoping it goes forever too. So anyway, take care, my friend. Cheers. I think my intense love for White Dwarf must come through in everything that we do in in Grizzly Peaks Radio. I, I don't think I've ever talked about how instrumental White Dwarf was for me and, and all my role-playing friends when we were kids growing up in England um, in, the, in the 70s and 80s. Um, 80s, actually, now I come to think of it, because <laughs> uh, I don't think White Dwarf, White Dwarf wasn't really published until about 79, but um, I don't think. And... Um, yeah, it has this intangibly wonderful, nostalgic, but also it's not just nostalgia. Um, it's not just the fond remembrance. There is a genuine quality in the material in White Dwarf. Uh, if you hunt it down now, and there are ways of getting it, not entirely legit, but there are ways of getting PDFs, um, of, of White Dwarf. Not that I'm recommending you do it, but there are ways. And you read it now. I think, I, I think the, the comparison, in a way, between what was being written in the pages of White Dwarf to what was being written in the books of the time, I mean, it easily stands up. And in fact, I, I think in many ways it's better. I think the adventures are more more um, idiosyncratic and individual and, and, and tight. I think that the concepts being written and talked about are, are more progressive and interesting. Um, I think there's a particular UK bent to it, this irony, this sarcasm, this sort of acid wit that, that I personally didn't detect very much in the, by and large, American material that, that we, we were kind of growing up on. Um, I'm not going to get into this whole debate again about American versus British culture and, and writing and, and psychology, but, but yeah, there was something distinctive and, and, and tight about it, whereas I found Dragon Magazine, although it was very influential and kind of critical in many ways, it was a bit flabby. Dragon Magazine was kind of flabby and, and also a bit boring, I thought. I thought the articles were a bit dull um, and very inward-looking into the hobby. And I think that White Dwarf brought things from outside in, in this really fascinating way. And the adventures, of course, which we've been running on Grizzly Peaks Radio are, are an amazing jumping-off point. Um, I think we've probably got to the end of the ones that I can reasonably run because I think there's a few others, but I think certain players know them and, well, maybe we can do something. I, I, I do want to at some point run the Horse of the Invisible, but, um, but Scott, for instance, knows that far too well, both, both um, as a story, which it comes from, I think, William Hope Hodgson, is it? The Horse of the Invisible? I can't remember. Um, and... And, uh, and, and the White Dwarf Adventure itself, which I think he's either played in or run multiple times. But there are some others. There's, I think, one called the Paddington Horror. That sounds interesting. And there's a bunch of modern ones as well. And then, um, you know, there's also... Uh, 
think it's called Different Worlds. I think that was the Chaosium magazine. I, I haven't really read it, but um, there were a bunch, uh, lots of scenarios in that. So I, I think I'm currently being recorded. I don't know if that came through. I just walked past a um, garage and a voice said, Hi, you're currently being recorded, which is nice than to tell me that I'm being snooped on. Oh, it's a lovely day here in California. I've got to say, up here in Northern California, it's it's sunny. There's a little, little haze in the in the air. It's it's probably about I don't know about fourteen, fifteen degrees centigrade, which is what sixty something, high fifties. It's nice. Yeah, white wolf. Andy, Dave here again regarding Jack Vance. Yeah, my uh, my son, 18-year-old son, was going through, actually, I think he was 16 at the time, he was going through my library of books, and he found the uh, couple of my novels by Jack Vance, The Eyes of the Overlord, and and Kugel, Kugel, Kugels, anyway, <clears throat> and so he's just devoured, he devoured those, and um, I definitely, uh, I'm on your recommendation, I haven't. Uh, sadly to say, I have not read Leoness, so I'm going to get that, and I'll probably get that for him for uh, Christmas, because he likes to collect some good novels. I'm going to do the audiobook. Anyway, take care, man. Cheers. Hey, Andy. High fantasy, low fantasy, all the different in-between fantasies, yes. Uh, I cut my teeth on the dungeon crawls in the late 70s, early 80s. Yes, I'm an old man. Anyways, yes, uh, I'm, I much more enjoy the uh, uh, gritty and the dark fantasy. Uh, heroics can have uh, their time in there as well, but um, and definitely uh, I read uh, The Hobbit and uh, uh, I tried to read The Lord of the Rings to one of my boys, but uh, he, he did that on his own after a while. But both my boys got to, to enjoy The Hobbit, so that's a definite one. So... And yeah, Tolkien was amazing, but uh, all the other types of um, more gritty, dark, less quote-unquote heroic is is what I... Hey, uh, this is the alter ego, uh, David Henry. If you ever need a, another player for Henry Davis, uh, give me a call. I can, I can do some crappy uh, or not very good uh, uh, voice acting. Not really. Sorry, mega fan here. I did not listen to the end. I died about, I don't know, halfway through. Then I, I randomly picked a few more. So, sorry, Barney. But you had some interesting ones there. I was going to start adding some too, but then I would have probably got into the same boat with you and we'd be off into the, into the sunset coming up with strange ideas for parties starting and I'm so chuffed that, that we connected, um, that David and I connected on Vance. Um, I mean, obviously, he also talks about, um, about Tolkien and who doesn't connect on that. If you don't like Tolkien, you're not a friend of mine. I'm sorry. I know people think Lord of the Rings is boring. I, I sort of understand why you might think it is boring because it does have long, long passages of description of the countryside and it is complex 
and it is long, but it's a uh, well. What can I say? That hasn't already been said about that and the Hobbit, the the two great masterworks, the the, the works that will probably still be read in a in a hundred years' time, which you can't say for a lot of other. Let's call it fantasy literature. You know, these, these, go, these transcend the genre. And given that they largely shaped it, it's kind of interesting um, in a way. But, um, yeah, Vance, I've, I've actually um, moved on. <laughs> I've moved on from Vance. I, I, I still... I, I, I'm, on, I'm on this kind of endless daisy chain of, of references and inspirations and, and threads, picking up threads. Um, I can't remember if I've talked about it don't think I have because I don't think I've made an episode um, in 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 the in this period. But um, I I really really got into Robert Aikman and and that's down to Scott recommending recommending him. Um, I, I've listened to um, all of the short stories, the Robert Aikman, or at least a, a, bit, a big chunk of them, and I found them amazingly compelling. He he's a um, a British author writing, I think, in the 70s, 60s, maybe 60s, 70s. Um, and as a inspiration for the type of horror games I, I want to run, they're extraordinary. They're, they're somewhere between horror and weird fiction, which I guess isn't much of a distinction, because <laughs> a lot of weird fiction is horror. Um, but, but they're very elusive, the more you try and grab onto each story that he writes, the, the, less, the less you're able to grasp it. it. It just slips through your fingers as you're trying to contain it and hold it. Um, and I, I think on the Good Friends podcast, Scott has talked about Robert Aikman before. Um, on Witch House Media, uh, the H.P. Lovecraft um, literary podcast, which is now called something else, <laughs> because they stopped doing Lovecraft stories a long time ago. Now um, they, they, I can't remember what they call the podcast now, but it's it's uh, uh, yeah, um, Witch House Media do it. They have a couple of episodes of um, of Robert a- um, dedicated to Robert Aikman, and um, the the person they they have on is Reese Shearsmith from the League of Gentlemen and Inside Number Nine and Psychoville, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I, I think he's a genius, actually, <laughs> Reese Shearsmith. Um, I like pretty much everything he's done. Uh, if you've never seen League of Gentlemen or particularly Inside Number Nine, go and check them out. Brilliant, brilliant horror, horror comedy TV, British horror comedy TV at its absolute best. Um, he's a big fan of Robert Aikman, and in fact, he narrates all of the audiobooks, the collections that you can get on Audible. And uh, it's a fascinating couple of episodes where they interview him, and he talks about his deep love for Aikman. And and I I, I became addicted, infected, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. But since then, I've I've been skipping like a stone across the pond. Um, to other islands of literary wonder, um, I've, I've I've discovered um, I discovered Dennis Etchison, 
um, another very interesting horror writer. Um, that's his critics, but, uh, you know, um, I discovered most recently Laird Barron. Wow. Laird Barron. He's fantastic. The Occultation is um, an amazing collection. And I, for the first time, I think, ever, well, since I was a kid, I was actually genuinely scared reading Stroke Listening. I was actually, it was late at night, and I was actually listening to it in bed just before dropping off, and that was not a good time to be listening to it. I was listening to Strapado, which is a pretty notorious story of his, and it actually terrified me. I, I felt my heart racing. <laughs> and um, that was weird because that hasn't happened to me in, oh, I don't know, from, from a horror thing, probably since I was a kid. Um, so, yeah, check out Laird Barron. And particularly that, it's, it's, his stuff is very visceral and, and horrible. So, um, it's all, you know, all, a lot of these authors are sort of mythos-tinged, let's say. I mean, not Robert Aikman, not, not specifically, but I think there must be some strand of DNA from, from the weird fiction of Lovecraft into Aikman. Maybe not. It's, it's, in a way, it's, it's like a cross between Lovecraft and Harold Pinter. That's how I see Aikman, if that means anything to anyone, but makes me giggle. But Laird Barron, definitely. I mean, there's even mythos entities in it. Clearly, mythos entities in it. Yeah, and um, there's a, like a, a cycle. Oh, that's a loud one. There's like a cycle of three stories in occultation all around, let's say, creatures that live underground. Let's say, let's leave it at that. Um, that that's fantastic. Fantastic, fantastic reimagining, reimagining of of those sort of hoary old tropes. Yeah, so that's where that's where I've gone, and of course, always, always back to Clark Ashton Smith, who the more I listen to, the more impressed and 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 kind of uh, kind of sh- struck I am by him. The other. The other um, major author that I sort of discovered um, or rediscovered is M.R. James, because I, I knew a few of the stories from from the TV um, adaptations, the BBC TV adaptations. But but you know, reading his stuff, listening, reading to his stuff, um, and of course the M.R. James podcast, um, which is a warning a podcast for the curious i think it's called excellent stuff excellent so those are my current current vibes my current kicks hey andy daniel calling in thanks for responding to so many of my messages i'm almost caught up now <laughs> uh, but yeah i i uh, <laughs> you know i have to review about the railroading i mean i wouldn't play in the games if i didn't think they were fun and, and I, I mean, yeah, I have not played in the, any really long Call of Cthulhu campaigns. I've probably played in maybe 15 to 20 sessions, not sessions, but uh, adventures of Call of Cthulhu in my life. And, and yeah, they do generally end with you finding the monster at the end and killing you, right? But Or making you go insane. It's probably more fair. But then again, if you take uh, all the published adventures for D&D, they, well, 
most of them anyways, right? You go through a dungeon and then you fight some big monster at the end and you either die or take its treasure, right? So it's not like there's not a, a form to these RPGs. So, uh, you know, I'm just giving you a hard time with the railroading uh, in general because it's fun, of course. But on to interesting stuff. So one-on-one, -on -one, yeah, I mean, we ran that game for like six months or longer, once a week. And yeah, I think shorter is better. Like those I never let go over an hour and a half which was short for me because I was running four-hour games at the time, always. Um, and I think that one-on-one -on -one games work, at least in, in my experience, they work better if they're either really, really tight. Like, okay, this is a, you're going in to do this one job. Um, you know, if it's, let's say you're a thief and you're going to break into a place and steal something. Or they're really open-ended, you know, because a lot of the, the campaign I ran with Nikki really, it was just a lot of just role-playing, her wandering around, basically open-box style. So... It it's a little bit weird, but I also think it's really awesome, and, and it helps you really play off what the the players want, which I think is the, the a lot of times the DM's dream, right? Is to go in the direction the players want. But when you have four or five players at the table, it's not always easy to do. But with one player, you can just focus hard on. The one thing that I think might be weird about that, and I don't, I've never done it really that I can think of, <laughs> is to play one on one games in person. I don't know if that would, I I, I know that it sounds weird that that would be weird to me. But um, I almost feel like one-on-one -on -one over the internet doesn't feel as weird as one-on-one -on -one in person might. I don't know. I'll have to put my wrap my head around that. Uh, insofar as paranoia, I, yeah, honestly, I mean, I enjoyed playing with Henry when he ran that. It was fun in that sense. But I, if I never played paranoia again, I wouldn't. I wouldn't blink an eye. I, I'm. I don't know. I don't like overly goofy RPGs, which that is. And also, yeah, we all remember we all had like an agenda. I think in the end we were all communists. I, I can't remember. Like everybody showed their thing at the end and we all were communists or whatever. We were. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. But it was like everybody had their own little agenda. I don't know. I don't enjoy that. But yes, I can see how some people might like that. It's just not my vibe. I well, and yes, I, I think that as an extreme compliment coming from you to say that you think that I would run horror really well. Yeah, I guess I am pretty deadpan. So I don't know. Maybe I should try it. I, I think that uh, that I would give it a shot. I am not really a horror guy, so maybe I would I run things very um, with less emotional attachment. So maybe the detachment to it is what makes it creepy. <laughs> I mean, I've been told by many people I'm creepy. No, I'm just <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I I totally take that as a compliment. I appreciate that very much, actually. Um, honestly, coming from you, um, yeah. And as far as Dying Earth, yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff back then is kind of. I just like the world of Dying Earth. It's just so weird and interesting to me. And I, I do like that the people are just very, like, amoral, I guess is maybe a good way to say it. Or, or maybe amoral is the best of them. And the worst of them is absolutely terrible. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I'm a fan of Dying Earth. Yeah, you make a good point that Clark Ashton Smith's sci-fi stuff is mostly horror sci-fi. And that's really interesting because that's probably my some of my favorite horror stuff is that horror sci-fi. So that probably works together. And also about Mulvey, right? He, he that was his his book, right? And he actually is the one that did the module that was also um, oh god, and now they can't think of the, the, the setting anymore. But it was also related to Clark Ashton Smith. And, and honestly, yeah, I think I, I I agree with you. I like his sci-fi probably better than I do anything else. So yeah, and, and I'm not a huge sci-fi person, but I like Clark Ashton Smith sci-fi horror, which is super interesting because I'm I wouldn't say that I was a sci-fi person or a horror person. So, interesting. But, you know, what am I? I'm, if I'm anything, I'm all over the place. <laughs>
So, the horror, the horror, the horror. Um, Daniel, um, I think of those 15 Call of Cthulhu games, I, I'd say at least at least half of them have been mine, haven't they? <laughs> I would say. Maybe not that many, but we've played a lot of sessions now, and I'm starting to wonder whether whether um, whether we're playing a campaign. I mean, we are playing a campaign. I, th- I you weren't there for the first scenario, but you know um, we've been playing for well over a year now, like a year and a half, and I think there's a, a great narrative that's emerging in this campaign and so far you haven't met a horrible monster and died at the end that's not to say it won't happen could still happen you know you have defeated a goddess actually and um in the first one in the first uh, scenario the other the other chaps they defeated a demon so what what, what what could get worse than that eh goddess demon yeah you can take them on you can take on anyone well, let's see. Let's see what happens. There's a big old truck stuck. I don't know what it's doing. Anyway, I'm in the car again. <laughs> I'm in the car again. Um, and one-on-one. Now, I'm going to wrap up all of this with uh, a little discussion. Because I think it's all relevant about this horror game that I've been running. That this, <laughs> when I say that, I, I only do I only run horror games. Although, Daniel, we did have an interlude, didn't we? Where we played Mutant Crawl Classics. I, I don't know if you enjoyed that. I, I, I think you did. You said you did. Um, I don't think I ran it particularly well. I don't know the rules well enough, and I felt I was always fumbling around. Um, but um, that was a fun interlude, to be honest. Um, uh, but it doesn't have the depth for me something like mutant crawl classics it's fun it's a it's it's definitely beer and pretzels and it's definitely fun but i think i need depth man i need depth man i need to be deep so interesting casa del sol i uh did a bus tour when i was a boy probably turned five to six years old late 60s that tells you how old i am now and uh, <clears throat> I was talking to my mom, and she brought out some photo, and yeah, we actually took a bus tour, and part of it went through the Costa del Sol. I don't remember anything about it. Um, she doesn't comment about it, so I don't know what that means. Anyway, so I uh, look forward to that adventure. Uh, maybe I'll have to mention it to my mom, who's like uh, in her mid-80s now. Anyways, looks forward to that. Take care, man. Cheers. Great episode, Andy. Really appreciated your weighing in on the GM and player playing the same or different game topic. And, and and you know what? If I ever don't have Anchor Podcasts to listen to, if I don't actually have podcasters to listen to, and I have an open hole in my schedule, listening schedule, I will definitely tune in to Grizzly Peaks Radio. So, there you go. Talk to you later. So, we are now into we've 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 completed five episodes <laughs> episodes five sessions stroke episodes of our horror game the one which uh, 
uh, of course, uh, as David points out, is set on uh, an island in the Mediterranean off the Costa del Sol. Isla de la Muerta, island of death. I mean, how how original, eh? How original. Um, <laughs> I, I probably need to come up with a better title for it before I publish it, but I kind of like the cheesiness of it because it sort of has this 70s, this sort of crappy 70s TV, British BBC TV vibe about it. Um, there was actually a TV show that I can no longer remember the name of that sort of inspired me a little bit. Not that I've seen it in 35 years, and I think it was only ever shown once or twice. You can track down really terrible recordings of it on YouTube. Um, and it, uh, it's set on a Mediterranean island, and it's, and it's kind of horror, cultish, culty, um, Templars, weirdness vibe about it. And, and it's interesting. Oh, I remember, it's called The Dark of the Sun. Is that what it's called? just going to look it up while we're here. Let me see. Dark of the sun. Yes, there we go. No, no, that's not it. <laughs> the dark of the sun. No, that's a, uh, it's a 1960, that's a 1968 film. Um, maybe it's the dark of the sun. BBC Horror. Let me see. The Dark Side of the Sun. Dark Side of the Sun. Um, strangely, strangely, it's nineteen eighty-three. I thought it was seventies. Anyway, but all all-time classic cast: Peter Egan. Patrick Mower, <laughs> Peter Egan and Patrick Mower. If if you're a, um, a connoisseur of shitty seventies TV, those two names will mean a lot to you. Particularly Patrick Mower, um, who's sort of in that continuum of of British actors. Um, he, he, I think, most recently he's he's been in Emmerdale well for 21 years that's that's depressing but um Emmerdale's a um soap opera but uh he was in Who Done It the TV series he was in Armchair Cinema those were always a bit scary of course he was in The Sweeney I think everyone was back then Callan Callan yeah yeah Jason King goodness me Black Beauty he was in that's a film obviously um, haunted TV miniseries. You know his 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 uh, resume goes back a long way. What's probably the most interesting thing he's been in? Um, well, maybe the Dark Side of the Sun was the most interesting thing he's been in. Um, big big old gap in his in his acting career. Um, yeah, like thirteen years. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> the game, the game, the game is going going, I, I think, better than I could have possibly expected. And that's no reflection, Spencer, Barney, TJ and Scott. Um, no reflection on you. Um, you're always wonderful, as, um, as David points out. 
you're always amazing. Um, but I didn't think we would be able to generate true horror. I was very... And, and look, whether we have or not is yet to be seen because a lot of stuff will change in the edit and in the post. And But I feel we have the raw material for something that could be genuinely scary or at least unsettling and creepy and disgusting. <laughs> and, and if we go back to our... Um, to our Stephen King, three three levels of horror. I think we can hit a couple of them. Uh, there's definitely some visceral shit in there, and and I think and I think going touching a little bit on what Daniel said in his earlier message. I th- I think almost by accident we ended up structuring it. It ended up being structured as a quite a lot of one to one segments like like pieces because each of the players is taking on a very disparate character there are some connections between them but they they don't necessarily spend much time together they come together at various moments but they also have their own independent lives and that's when the horror generally has hit them it's been those moments when they've been alone um so i think it's been much more unsettling and perilous for those individuals um and and i think we've generated some quite uncomfortable pieces of audio <laughs> i mean we can't we can never keep the laughter too far away but we we've we've managed to minimize it and i am really quite excited about what what we're going to end up producing um it's also been almost completely improvised and very much a collaborative thing where it's it's been largely driven the story has largely been driven by by the characters like their 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 context their 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 workings their internal lives their internal and external lives you know i've i've obviously put in some i don't know what they're called bangs whatever they're called whatever um kenneth height and robin laws or whoever it was <laughs> that came up with that um oh no it's um it's uh what's his name isn't it the other chap, the one that I interviewed a long time ago. Um, uh, can't remember, Sorcerer. Um, oh, damn, pause. Ron Edwards. I, it was Ron Edwards, too. I think he came up with bangs and kickers, is it? Anyway. But there's plenty, there's a, there's a few of them that I've put in. There's a few... Um, not set pieces. It wasn't set pieces. Nothing. Nothing was really written in any in any detail. It was just a few scribbled notes. But let's say moments, like little tiny little moments of horror that I thought would 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 need to ground it in the setting and create some kind of continuity. Otherwise, it would have ended up being four completely separate stories, which which I don't think which would have been interesting. But you know, then why 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 play together if if they're not going to join together at some point and 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 now they are and the peril is ramping up from session to session and and, and right now they're they're most of them are in real deep shit <laughs> real real deep shit and i'm curious to see how, how it turns out probably as curious as the players uh, and we will see um our next session is um is this saturday the 29th um might be the last. I, I don't think it will. We do have some backup characters um, uh, kind of heading towards the island, notionally. Um, 
because what's been good is that, that they are sort of trapped on this island. I, I, I knew that that would give it... Um, you had to sort of trap them somewhere, in some way. Even though they're not genuinely trapped, the island is, is pressing in on them. Uh, and they're starting to realise that there isn't, there's nowhere really that's safe anywhere on this island. They might have thought that initially, but, but it turns out that it's not. And that's been kind of growing and growing um, uh, the, the, the peril of that situation. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm pleased about this experiment. I, I will put the episodes... I, I, don't, I don't know when I'm going to get around to them because we've still got quite a lot of Ghost Jackal Kill to, to publish. And that, that was wonderful and, and, I, and I think ended really well. Um, we're thinking about already thinking about where we go next. Um, I picked up Bookhounds of London, the Trail of Cthulhu source book written by Kenneth Haidt. And there's a really nice scenario in that. Um, I don't know why, I just randomly picked it up. I I have no idea how the system works and it will either take a bit of converting or may, maybe I'll even run it as Trail of Cthulhu. I don't, I don't see the point necessarily of learning a new system just to run it. But, but there are a few things that sort of may not work within the the um, d100 the the brp framework there's a, there's a few interesting you know wiggles and nuances um, that are specific to trail of cthulhu so i i guess i would pro- i probably will pick up the core book and see but yeah the horror the horror the horror and um and i do i will have to make another episode because just there at the end Jason sort of half dropped a comment about about the two games, one game, and there's a bunch of, let's say, rather intense messages that I probably should put up. Um, Jules and and um, Jules and Joe, Jules and Joey, uh, I I have not like blocked you. <laughs> <laughs> or blocked you out of my of my consciousness. Um, those messages are still sitting there somewhere on anchor, and do need to be responded to because I really appreciate the fact that you left those messages, even though let's say they weren't entirely the most um, easy to listen to from my point of view. Let's put it that way. So on that uh, little cliffhanger, I will leave you because you always want to leave them on a cliffhanger. It's a game we're role-playing I'm a stranger and you're making mistakes